Is there a guest you'd like to hear on Sketchbook? Maybe you'd like to hear from a specific composer, arranger, designer, creator, or artist. Is there a particular show, piece of music, or production you'd like to hear more about? Send us your request or suggestion to sketchbookpodcast at gmail.com. Are you, are you there, Jamil? I can see I'm you. I'm here. Yes. I'm very much here. What should our theme music be? Should it be classical marching band boring? Should it be some female empowerment hip hop? What are you thinking? I got things to soul on my true collective ball. Famous, also famous, number one, desirable. Out of what I want, when I want, and how I want it. Leave you with the one in the yeah, that's how I roll. I got things to soul on my true collective ball. Famous, also famous, number one, desirable. Out of what I want, when I want, and how I want it. Leave you with the one in the yeah, that's how I roll. I got changes, so I don't care about no gold. Better, so much better, flipping. Um, it should be trap marching band music. I don't know if that's a, a genre in the fusion world yet, but I think trap and marching band could go together really well. Bobby Schmurda's out of prison now, so I mean, there's a lot of opportunity. Welcome to Yearbook, the series where we take a look back at shows, contests, schools, eras, highlights, records, or whatever we decide we want to talk about. Some days we might talk about facts and stats, other days we may talk about geography, socioeconomic status, class, race, and how all of that pertains to band. But above all else, we'll be focusing and discussing the marching arts. Jamil, are we doing something different for the podcast? Yes, we're doing something a little bit different for the podcast. Are we doing something different for the medium, would you say? I think we're doing something different from the medium. I mean, I think this is the first time you're getting a good fan perspective for a long period of time, and we're going to go back and dig into some things. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Which is why we're titling this series, your series, Jamil, Yearbook, because we get to go back, like you said, and look at some things, either old shows, old schools, old years, old contests. Like It's pretty much just like a yearbook, right? Sometimes they do a lame article on on basket weaving I, and i can make fun of yearbook i was on the yearbook staff for three years i was the editor my senior year jamil i don't know if you know that i did not know that yeah. that's news to me i could have gone to work for the uh the harvard uh lampoon right i think um I know that's you... a comedy journal not a yearbook oh, but i mean they're the same thing right i could i conan o'brien me i mean there's not that that big of a difference between us you're both at the top of your craft that are finally, I was looking for a, a, a really good compliment to, to get us going on here. So, so this, this is kind of your idea, Jamil, and I'm very excited about it because normally I'm the one that leads everything. Like I take copious notes, I listen to shows, and then I fawn over guests. And really, I don't have any reason to fawn over you. You are smart. You are going to be a lawyer. But before we jump into yearbook, episode one, what it is, how it is, etc., I think maybe Joe Blow sketchbook fan wants to know about the real you, Jamil. Because, spoiler alert, you are not in any way, shape, or form professionally involved with the marching arts, are you? I cannot say that I am, nope. (laughs) What do you do currently? So right now, I'm in my last semester of law school. I'm a third year at the University of Virginia School of Law in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um, 
after I graduate in a couple of months, I'll be studying for the bar, uh, which will be a lot of fun, except not at all. And then after that, I will be clerking for a judge in the district court, the federal district court in D.C., which I'm excited for. And then after that, I'll most likely clerk again and then be an associate at a large law firm's D.C. office. Wow, you're kind of legit. You're like, you're like, I'm okay. You're in the real world. I'm getting close. You are, you are. And where, uh, here we go, is your undergrad from, Jamil? Uh, I went to Princeton University. Oh my gosh, Princeton. Princeton. What was your major there? Law? I don't know. Uh, I majored in the School of Public and International Affairs, which when I was there was the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs, but it got renamed over the summer in the wake of the racial justice reckoning that America had. Woodrow Wilson. I've been hearing a lot of lot of things about him lately, sort of like Frederick Douglass, right? I think they're completely different people for a number of reasons. Okay. Well, it's just, you know, a lot of people are talking about them. I think they're doing a lot of good things lately or whatever that tweet said, uh, you know. Yeah. Something along those lines. Yeah. Something but, like, yeah, I, yeah. They're both intellectuals, but I think that's about where um, <laughs> the similarities stop. And I guess they're both men, but. Yeah. They're, and they're both, they're both manly men. Now, Jamil, as most people would know, um, Texas is the epicenter of the marching arts, right? Uh, All the Indiana people are rolling their eyes, uh, Oklahoma, et cetera, et cetera. You also are from central Texas. Uh, Tell everyone what high school you went to. Yes, I went to Leander High School. Oh, what years were you there? And name the marching band shows also, because I won't know. I can absolutely do that. So I started as a freshman in 2007. I played trumpet all four years of high school. My freshman year show was actually going to be titled Full Circle. Oh. But then it got renamed um, at the very beginning of the marching season to A Holiday because we were playing um, Ron Nelson's uh, Aspen Jubilee, Sonoran Desert Holiday, mm-hmm. Rocky Point Holiday, uh, and Savannah River Holiday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was all a lot of fun. Sure. Let's see. And then my second year, um, I was a music section leader for Leander and uh, our show that year was called Into the City so we played um, some Lex which was Mm -hmm. fun it was our drum break we played Ride uh, by Samuel Hazo as our closer Beyond by uh, forgot the name Japanese composer was our ballad and our Pre-show is New World Symphony, and then our opener was Dance of the Jesters. I can't believe I remember all that. I'm a complete nerd. I'm so that's why you're That's why you're here, Jamil. Good point. Yeah. And then my junior year, I was band vice president. I was a section leader again. And that year, our show was Reflections. So we started off with Bells for Sikowski. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played the kind of uh, saxophone quartet intro, and then it looped into kind of the first part of that piece. And then we went to, oh my God, this is killing me. I can't no, forget. No. I can't forget. I know Stained Glass was our kind of drum break third movement. Our second movement was, a nig- no, that was our fourth year. I will get, I will remember okay. what our ballad was. Everyone's t- canceled you now at this point. I, they should. And our closer that year was the last part of Bell Zikowski. So like one to all the crazy notes. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. My senior year show, and this is a this is kind of tough because my senior year show is the show that's really made fun of amongst the, the youth of the Leander Band program oh, these really? days. Yeah, it was Tortoise and the Hare. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I remember that show because when they were at BOA, like all the front drops, the curtain was already down, so like they all the effect of the front drops was lost. But anyway, continue. 
we can talk about that show we get more into Leander um, later on but for that show we started off so we were supposed to start off with Fester Ramon, but I don't think they ever like got the rights to that somehow. Like we had started practicing that as a trumpet section. <laughs> you, you cannot put that. Oh, no, this, this, this is we're looking back. What, are the, what, what is Trey Sona? Trey Sona wasn't even around back then. So just continue. You're fine. I just remember like we had a trumpet fanfare with Fester Ramon, and then like all of a sudden we were playing. Um, we were playing Festive Overture. That, that's oh, what it yes. ended up being. Yeah. Which is also like, that actually honestly might have been better They're for like a race theme show. A you know, so I, I think it was fine. And then we played, see, honestly, maybe I'm even blocking the oh show out of my memory because people, well, I know, so one of our movements was we played a different part of New World Symphony. And that was like our third movement. We liked third movements out of four for some reason. That was mm. like our thing. Mm. And then we also, Play. That was the year we did Enigma Variations. I remember that. Sanctuary was our ballad in 2009 oh. by Frank DeKelly. Oh, yeah. Uh, that is a piece of music. That was a piece of mu- that piece of music got us in the BOA San Antonio finals. Anyway, oh, um, man. so BOA San Antonio 2010. So in my 2010 show, we played another part of New World Symphony. We played Enigma Variations, Nimrod. We played... Um, man. You know what people love the most about podcasts? Dead air. Yeah, dead air. I'm so sorry. I should have come prepared. You I should look it up very quickly, but I don't yeah. want to click, click, click through. Yeah, gosh. Right. <laughs> uh, who, who's going to complain the most? Um, super fan Eric Cosman or somewhat fan Jeremiah Hornrank Wooten? Who do you think's going to? I could most? see both of them taking the opportunity to make fun of me, but I hope Robert Sladen listens to this and can help me figure out. Mm-hmm. You know, this would be a great time if we were playing. Who wants to be a millionaire so I could phone a you would friend? Have, you would phone a friend. Well, we're not doing this. Isn't live, um, so he 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 doesn't know what's going on. Speaking of Robert Slayton, who is the current director of bands, was he the assistant your four years when you were there? He was assistant for three of my years oh. when I was in band. He started my sophomore year. Oh, so he wasn't even there your freshman year. He was not. He was a baby still at the University of Texas, right? He was finishing his last year at the University of Texas. He was. Finishing up right until basically our summer started. Oh, was he taking summer school? I think he just had like one last class to finish. Oh, yeah. I know how that goes. I hear that. I hear that. We respect that. it. Are you, are you looking this up right now? Your face is all illuminated. I, it's oh, like really bothering God. me. <laughs> well, I really wh- hate, especially because I'm such a nerd. I like make it a point to remember these things. So you are I, a nerd. I not remember. You are and a nerd. The fact that I remember my freshman, sophomore, and junior year shows and yeah. I'm completely missing. You missed the boat. It's it's unfortunate. I, I will next episode no, when we're talking about something it. completely different. I will make sure I know what yeah, we played. Yeah, show. that's great. That's great. Well, now let me ask you, and maybe you maybe you don't want to answer this, and that's okay. You if your non commitment or your non comment will actually be uh, an actual commitment to this. Have you or are you currently a person who posts on the BOA forums, the Texas Band forums, and or the Horn Rank forums? Um, not as much as I used to. Oh. Uh, well, you want to share your screen a... name with everybody or not? I'll pass. Okay, um, that's fine. It's not that hard to figure it's out. It's Xenon, we know. If you, pay... <laughs> if you pay a little bit of attention, you'll figure it out. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not really pressed to help people along in that journey. Right, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I have, not so much in the last year, because I've kind of used the fact that band has been very minimal this last year as an excuse to kind of just like step away a little bit. But, what, um, what are we going to talk about, like Vandergriff's football band show or, or something like that? I mean, there's not like a whole lot. I mean, we can talk about Hebron's Ballad, which I know we have different opinions on. 
but I think we do. We do. I love I, the original source material that it's based on, so we can get there. I think they handled the source material for their purposes quite well. Uh, I don't think they were trying to be a super Latin jazzy show, and I didn't think they have to do that. I mean, I, you could I, say they played a little light, but I think they played it really well. I, can you say? I guess you can say that, Jamil. Um, I, I, well, I'm I'm Latin in both. Well, I think you have more right to say it actually. Hebron, Hebron, and Vandergriff were both very similar in their interpretations of that style of music. So yeah. now the the whole purpose of this episode yearbook, I don't know, if we're going to tell it like Leander ISD. We're, you you have a first person account because you also have family that followed you, right? But not at Leander High School. They went to another Leander school. Right? I don't have any younger siblings. Oh, don't did you have somebody have close? Somebody at Vista Ridge? Friends. Oh, okay. I have tons of friends with younger siblings. I One assume... of my best friends from high school, his sister was the saxophone soloist the last couple of years at Vista Ridge. Oh, okay. So okay. Was I assumed it was a family member. Um, but no. at, as you know, us, um, they call them um, BIPOCs. You know, everybody's related in our family. It's like, oh, that's your cousin. That's mom. That's not my cousin. Well, you know, he's kind of your cousin. No, it's not. You know, it's my, that kind of thing. So I figured that's what it was. See, we don't, um, we don't shy away from race and stereotypes on Skid. We, we shouldn't. I think we're going to have some episodes where we talk about racial implications for, uh, you know, in depth, which I think is going to be good for I those. I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, before we dive in to the, the nerdy Leander ISD thing, I, I would like to ask you some of the stock questions I ask everybody, not the like band related questions, because I don't care. Um, I want to know about the real Jameel Brown. And by that, I, I basically want to ask you. Um, your thoughts as a native Texan. Are you in fact a native Texan? I am unfortunately not a native Texan. I was born in, I was born in Florida, in Tampa, Florida. My dad was in the military. So he was based, uh, yeah, he was based there, but my mom and my dad were both actually from the same small town in Georgia. So we lived there for about six years. And in that time, my mom remarried. So my parents got divorced very quickly, but my mom remarried. Um, and then we moved to Texas right before I turned seven. Oh, um, okay. So that was January 2000. Oh, jeez. Um, and you were seven. I still, <laughs> I was almost seven because um, it was like a week or two before my birthday. And then we moved. And then, so I still hold a Texas driver's license, even though I don't live in Texas right now. So I'd say I've been a Texan for the last mm. 21 years. Were you registered to vote currently, Jamil? I am currently registered in Texas still, but I am unfortunately going to change to Virginia probably. Is it, is it, is, will your vote uh, carry more weight in Virginia or, or what? Um, I'd actually say it's probably going to carry less on a national scale. Mm-hmm. Um, Virginia is pretty comfortably blue state right oh, now. So we need your votes regard. over here is what we're saying. It would probably be dishonest for me to vote in Texas when I'm not going to live in Texas anytime soon. You are about but, to be a lawyer. I don't think the word honest uh, goes with your profession. You no, know, it's never. It's never an op. There's always an opportunity to change things and make things better. But there's a really important gubernatorial race this year in Virginia, and I want to take my opportunity to vote in it. Very good, very good. McAuliffe, right? Or is that? Am I remembering a name from? He is running for a second term. Yes. Gotcha, gotcha. Fantastic. Okay. Well, you're not a native Texan. You're a transplant. But coming in at seven years old, you your opinions will carry some weight. So, um, I want to know your thoughts. What's your favorite burger place? Do you eat meat, Jamil? And if so, what's your favorite burger place? I eat probably too much meat, including too much red meat. Mm. Um, are we talking fast food burger? Are we talking you can, like you sit can, down? You are can we decide gourmet? to answer that in any way, shape, or form you'd like. I might hit you with one of each category. So I'll start with my favorite, like very gourmet 
burger. There's a restaurant, a steakhouse, a French-style steakhouse in New York in the West Village called Mineta Tavern. Um, they have this burger called the Black Label Burger. It is absolutely delicious. Yeah. It's made out of like a blend of a variety of prime cuts. Mm. Um, they serve it no cheese. They don't put sauce on it. They're like, the meat is good enough. Wow. And they are not lying. The meat is truly good enough oh. on that burger. All right. Uh, I love it to death. I think it's fantastic. And basically every single time I'm in New York City, I go with like a friend who's willing to indulge the relatively high price of the restaurant. And we go to Minetta Tavern. It's great. Um, I recommend anyone try it. It's a $30 burger, but it does oh. come with fries. Some New um, York, New York uh, what is what, what New York ethics right there? Some New York well, it's values. a Michelin-starred restaurant. Oh. So okay. that, I think, adds to it a lot. Um but it's really fantastic. And then I'd say my favorite fast food burger. I'm just like a Whataburger purist. Word. Um, so it really sucks because they'll never have it in Virginia, which because of a copyright issue, actually. Really? Is there a, like a, a Wada bacon burger there or something or what? So there's apparently Whataburger in like Virginia and North Carolina and Whataburger in Texas started within a few weeks of each other in 1950. And they really? have this like, yes, yes. And they have this big copyright battle. Uh-huh. Um, and they ended up coming to like a consent agreement where they would never enter a state where the other one is. And because Whataburger's in Virginia, uh-huh. the, this kind of Virginia Whataburger, I, I will ne- probably never get wow. the Whataburger I know and love unless I go at least to, I think, Georgia now. Wow. And, and now that the Chicago place bought them, I'm sure they want to go nationwide. But wow, that's just like Papa John's. Did you know that in, in Lansing, uh, Michigan... There's no Papa John's. It's called something else because there was like a one-off Papa John's that opened similar to what your story. So like Papa John's is called like, I don't know, Papa something or other in there or John. I don't know. Anyway, so wow, that's interesting. That's a... It is. Wow. We should just talk about that the whole episode. That would- <laughs> I think there are other things to talk about. And I think I said middle class burger. Um, <laughs> that didn't come out right. Um, <laughs> Wait, is Waterburger not a middle class burger? No, I think Whataburger is kind of um, pedestrian. Oh, that's For, the, I mean, it's fantastic, but it's pedestrian. The blue collar burger, gotcha. Yeah. It is a little blue collar. Um, I like Bear Burger a fair amount, which is pretty popular on the East Coast. It's like I would say it's like a little bit more upscale of Fuddruckers. Um, it's like- it's pretty good. I used to like Fuddruckers too. It was it was one of the spots we'd go to in high school. The one um, by Lakeland Mall. So. Yeah, I yeah. know exactly the one you're talking about. It's by the Pluckers that I, I tend to go to every once in a while. Hey, I, I know that Pluckers very well, too. So oh, That's your hood. Uh, neighborhood, for those that are listening, all right? I've been saying hood for 30 years, so don't cancel me on that one. Um, do you have a favorite taco, Jamil? Breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and where from? If you say uh, Chewy's, prefer, we will end the phone call. I prefer non-breakfast tacos because I'm not a really big egg person. Mm. Um, so I prefer the tacos I eat after 11.30 p.m. Nope. Um. Or 11.30 a.m. Oh, I was going to say, geez, you, you're, you, you're young, so you're still, you know, partying and eating tacos at midnight. Um, I'm not picky on tacos, truly. Um, I'll eat street tacos. I'll eat fusion tacos. I'll eat Tex-Mex style tacos. None of them bother me. I like all of them a lot. Um, do I have a favorite place to get tacos? I mean, I, I do like to go to Torquay's when I'm home. Um, that's probably my favorite of the chain places, but I, like, don't have... Super strong opinions. If someone says, let's go get tacos, I will probably always say yes, and I will probably never say no. 
word. I agree with you on that one. Um, so you you're from the Georgia, Florida area, but you came to Texas and then you went to school on the East Coast. I'm curious your favorite barbecue because you would have experienced different styles of barbecue, right? And Virginia even has its own style of barbecue. So I think there's a lot to say there. Um, I'm a big Texas person. Um, I really like. I alluded to liking red meat earlier. I really do like red meat. Brisket's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily need sauce, so it, it's a good mix. I'm not a big barbecue side person. Like the whole potato slaw, the potato salad, coleslaw, baked beans thing don't really work for me. I don't like any of those sides. Yep. Um, so I do care about my sides when I'm getting barbecue a lot. There's a wider variety. I'm like pretty happy about that. Word, word. Um, uh, do you have a favorite pizza place, Jamil? Um, there's Grimaldi's in mm-hmm. New York, yeah. which is really delicious. They have a location at least in Jersey City and in Brooklyn Heights. And if I'm in New York and I'm not just getting kind of like dollar pizza late at night, uh, I would like to go to Grimaldi's. It's it's pretty good. Word. Um. All right. <clears throat> I know what I'm I'm going getting into. I'm asking this question of you, Jamil. Um. Do you like fried chicken? And if so, where is your favorite fried chicken from? I really do like fried chicken. Who doesn't? Uh, Who doesn't like fried chicken? Vegetarians. Oh, that's true. They're missing out. Sorry. Um, so, <laughs> in terms of fast food fried chicken, I really like Popeyes a lot. Um, that's probably where I go more often than not, especially if I want whole chicken. Um, there's actually a place around the corner from where I live in Charlottesville. It's a black-owned restaurant. Uh, it's called Mel's. Um, they've been around in the community for a long time, and they have a really good fried chicken there that I just think is fantastic. So I'll get it with some collard greens and mac and cheese, and it's a three-minute walk across the train tracks um, to their store, and I'll just call it in, pick it up, and take it back, and it's good to support a black business and get some great food. Wow. Now, um, are you or the restaurant on the wrong side of the tracks? Um, the restaurant is on the main street in town and I live, I live, (laughs) so my part of town is historically black. It's a little bit more blended these days, but I actually live in a condo complex. Uh, I'm renting, but it's a condo complex. So it's, (laughs) it's, it's relatively, um, not mixed, so to speak here where I live, but it's also interesting because I live right next to the med school for the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. So a lot of residents and kind of later med students who are doing more clinicals and need to be closer to the hospital mm-hmm. and like nurses live in my neighborhood. So it's an interesting mix of people for sure. Word, word. Um, you are from technically the South and then you lived in the Southwest. I will forever say that Texas is not the South. We're Southwest, but I, people have different opinions on that one. Do you like iced tea? And if so, how do you take your iced tea, Jamil? I take my iced tea very sweet. Oh, like McDonald's sweet? Like Sonic uh, Sweet, Donald Sweet, Bush's Sweet. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> I, I, you can. I don't eat dessert at all, but you can load the sugar in my sweet tea. I, I will not say no. I remember, but when I'm I off sweet tea right now for Lent. So, oh, we we gave up power for Lent, uh, but it came back. So, yeah, yeah. My parents didn't have to, thankfully. That's so weird. I, I just imagine that the metropolitan area of Austin would would maintain their power, but it looks like the sticks kept it out there. Uh, but that's okay. Leander is not the sticks anymore. I know. I stayed with a friend in Pflugerville. They had everything. So that was nice. Meanwhile, my overpriced, overvalued home didn't have any power for six days. That's- you should talk to your tax assessors about that. Man, you know, it's just those that, that liberal mayor we have and those hippies in the city council. Oh, God, man. Your mayor went to a great place for undergrad, though. Princeton? 
Yes, you did. Oh, I thought you were going to say like Leander ISD or something, but that's... Well, that's not undergrad, It's not. It? It's not. That's clearly... Well, it's a good reason that we segued back to Leander ISD. Uh, Mayor Scott Adler? Steve Adler? I don't Steve know. Steve Adler. Steve Adler. That tells you how much I know about that. Um, so you, you were in band, and what was the years you were there? 2000 to 2000? No, that was when you were seven. <laughs> 2007 to 2011 is when I graduated. Okay. So, and this is this is just facts. This was in the time period in between the old dominance of Leander and the new, I don't want to say dominance, but the new rise of like med- almost meddling at Grand Nationals Leander, right? Like you were in that middle section. I was in the middle section, but I think I was in a, a decent part of the middle section. Gotcha. So did you... I think there were worse parts in that middle section, so and, to speak. And I'm trying to figure out, because you know, I've been here forever. I'm trying to figure out where you... did You said you made BOA San Antonio Finals your senior year. Had you made it before that in those three years? No, we made it my sophomore and junior year, but senior year was towards the here, so we did not make it. Okay, okay, okay. I was wrong. And then were they 5A or 6A back then? We were 6A the entire time I was in high school. And did you make it? To or I guess actually 5A, but 6A. Oh, so it was the big yet, It was so. the big one. Did you make it to state? Do you remember? Oh. We did not make it to state. Who were the we, bands the coming out of state that year? Bowie, oh, God. Round Rock? So I actually remember this, I remember to a T, which shows my pension for results, but not necessarily for repertoires. But in 2008, we made area finals. Mm-hmm. Um, and area D was very stacked that year. I believe that was 2008. So I believe Cedar Park won. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Bowie was probably second out of that group. And I think Churchill was third. I think it was Vista Ridge, maybe fourth. Aikens was fifth oh, or sixth. That's right. Uh, Wouldn't have, would Reagan was, I can't remember where the Reagan was, was ninth. Oh. Because that was when they were a little bit in the dark ages, too. Yeah, they were in a director change. Yeah. Um, and I know right above us, Connolly and Round Rock were the two alternates. They were seventh and eighth. Mm-hmm. So I'm forgetting somebody in that group. Let's see. Cedar Park, Churchill. Wow. Cedar Park, Churchill, Aikens, Vista Ridge, Bowie. Not Pflugerville. They were not there yet, I don't think. I don't think it was a San Antonio band. It must have been a band somewhere. Westlake. There we go. Advanced. Gotcha. Um, I think they advanced either third or fourth in that group. And I think Vistridge and yeah, yeah. So that all makes sense. So that was the group that advanced. So, you know, I think we were a little excited because I remember my eighth grade year, they were the alternate to state that year. So I think we were like hoping for something, but you know, we made up for it by making BOA San Antonio finals. Gotcha. So that was great. And then the next Um, cycle. Yeah. My senior year, um, we were actually a little bit of a ways out of area finals, which was a little rough. Um, but you know, I think that was a really interesting time to be in area D because there was a big changing of the guards. Cedar Park had fallen down a four at that point. Mm-hmm. So they weren't in play. Um, Reagan had jumped back. So they ended up advancing the state that year. Right. It was Claudia Taylor's Johnson's like breakout year on the scene. So oh. they advanced to state that year. Um, Round Rock like made their big leap that, up. Was that so the they Raven? were also an announcer. That was not the Raven. That was the Dragon. Oh, so it was after the. Oh, wait, it was the, the Dragon. Raven was Raven? 2012. Okay, that's right. It was okay. Dragon, then a tur- something sunshine, something about that, and then the Raven. Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay. So yeah, I can't remember everyone. I know Churchill. I think. I think no, Turtle did not advance. Plus, what was also in the scenario. I think McNeil might have advanced. No, I, I'm uh, a little I know what year this was. It was 2010, right? 2010, yeah. Uh, no, Westwood was a year, uh, a cycle away from advancing. 
I okay. think that and McNeil was like second from like almost getting getting there. Um, yeah. So, but you know, I I think the point is I never made state, which I think was a big kick in the pants my senior year because I was being president. So oh. like. I spent a lot of time thinking about how great and how fun it was going to be and like doing a senior speech and leading that and mm-hmm. everything and all the cute things that people do whenever they're at state that night before Aww. Tuesday and I didn't get to do them, which is a little bit of a sore spot, but I'm happy to see Leander be super successful yeah, and, you, and be back there. You now. didn't get to rehearse eight hours the day before your state performance like Leander I did in I don't 2000? know what that's like. Oh. I do not know what that's like. Well, it's a good thing you don't know because they got tired and they couldn't finish the job. Uh, that's from a member who was in that band in 2000. He said, yeah, we went, they drove down early, and they used all their eight hours on that one day before, and then they were tired the next day. Duh. Anyway, whatever. Um, so you mentioned that Leander is not the sticks anymore, and anyone who knows Central Texas, <clears throat> Austin area, places realizes that Austin is pushing everyone out. So Pflugerville, Round Rock, Leander, Cedar Park, and as you mentioned to me weeks ago, Liberty Hill, you know, Hutto, these places, um, people are moving there, and they are becoming, in, in some ways, very cosmopolitan or metropolitan, and politically it's also changing. So, so much stuff is just kind of changing. But the Leander-Cedar Park area probably is the one that kind of started changing the most. Um as as someone who has family there still and as someone who grew up there and I'm just a casual observer of what goes on in that area. I still obviously consider it the sticks because I just called it that 10 minutes ago. But what what do you remember life was like in the Leander area back then? You know, maybe I know you weren't there in the 90s, but, you know, it was 2000. What did you learn about what Leander was, what Cedar Park was? Did Cedar Park, the city, even exist? Like, I don't know anything about what happened in that area? All of a sudden, it was like, there's a town of Cedar Park? So walk us through the Leander Cedar Park kind of history and, and whatnot. I got you. So this is actually interesting. So whenever I first moved to Leander, it was the beginning of 2000, as I mentioned, and the 1990 census signs were still up in town. And I remember those signs saying something like 3,300 people. <laughs> and whenever they, right. And then whenever they finally like fixed it for 2000 census, it was like 7596 or something okay. like that. And then I think when I went home and they had the 2019 estimate on the city limit signs, it was something ridiculous, like 56,000. And I think the estimates are now even another like 10,000 on top of that. It's an extremely fast growing city. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for, and um, it was just Leander High School for, for how long? Do you remember when the Cedar Park opened? Cedar Park opened, I believe, 1998. Is when Cedar Park High School opened. About right. Um, definitely no later than 1999, but I believe it was 1998. So yeah, Leander High School was the high school for all of Leander and all of Cedar Park, and you know because ISDs are weird in Texas, yeah. like small chunks of other cities around, including Perfect. like a pretty sizable chunk of Northwest Austin. Um, so it's kind of crazy because if you think about where Vandegrift High School is right now, mm-hmm. there's Leander ISD past that yeah. on the on the highway, and they had to drive 30 or 35 minutes, probably lower because the roads weren't as wide and speed limits were lower, yeah. just to get to Leander High School every day. So you're really spending an hour and a half in transit, Ooh. which is just nuts to me that people had to do that. So, I mean, the growth of the school district did eventually mandate that this had to change. So Cedar Park High School was open by the time... I moved, and then Vista Ridge opened to do in 2003, mm-hmm. and then Rouse opened 2008, which actually captured my neighborhood, but I was a year away from that, or a year out. And then Vandergriff opened in 2009, and then Glen opened in 2016, which is actually where my neighborhood is 
zoned now. Oh, wow. That shows how much it changes in Lincoln that my neighborhood has been zoned for three different high schools in the last 15 years. For sure. For sure. So really, Leander was has the longest tenure of uh, I mean, it was the oldest school, but basically every five years, a new school opened almost. Um, And so we're do you know anything about the city itself? Are they on track for another school after after or Glenn or is it kind of take care of things for right now? Uh, I think it's taking care of things for right now, but I think in the next few years, um, this last year financially might have set it back a little bit, but I think there's going to, High School 7, I'm pretty sure it's going to be north of Vista Ridge in the northeast corner of the district, so like due east of Rouse, due north of Vista Ridge. Oh my god. And then High School 8 is actually going to be like due west of Leander, um, kind of like north of Jonestown-ish, I believe. I don't know any of that stuff. Um, yeah, all those towns out there. I, I, I when I went to Burn It for the first time, I was like, "Oh, this is where Liberty Hill is," and "Oh, this is where Burn It is." But it's out there, right? That's what you're saying. Like all these. Places. Yeah, it's um, high school. Eight is not towards Liberty Hill. It's like if you're kind of like draw a line straight up from Vandergriff and mm-hmm. like straight east from Leander. That's oh. like where those lines intersect. Is about where high school eight is going to be. So like in that far corner of the district, because there's a lot of growth out there mm-hmm. actually. So. Which is kind of the name of the game in the Austin metro area yeah. these days. So seriously, so I um, am a little older than you, Jamil. I was in high school uh, in the '90s, and I remember I went to Crockett High School. Yes, of Crockett '93 fame, which maybe we'll talk about in a future yearbook episode. I don't know, but I remember we played Leander High School in football, and it was like 1995. I think it was '95 or '94. And they came out and they were wearing their all white uniforms. And I remember so many different things, but distinctly the drum line, that was the year I think where everybody like in the battery played bass drum, one, one movement and then, or something like that, like eight bass drums or something like it was just crazy to see a band that big and just, they, they played classical music and it was all fun and was cool. Uh, my band was not good in the 94, 95 kind of thing. So it was like, Oh, that's what a, that's what marching bands like. Okay. That's interesting. But Leander, that was back in the Dennis Hopkins slash Amanda Drinkwater days. And they were 4A because back then 5A was the big classification. And they were they were a fairly dominant band in 4A. And they did eventually go to 5A, but in 4A, right? Like, did they win a bunch of state champions? Like, what was their history being in 4A before they jumped to 5A? Um, so as an overzealous alum, this is actually a little bit of a sore spot for me. But Leander is not won a state marching band championship. They haven't? Uh, no, wait, are unfortunately you, so that, not. Was it when Georgetown was going up against them and Georgetown would win? or, Mar- or Yeah, MacArthur? Georgetown was a big issue, really? um, I think, in those times in particular. And I think Dickinson was like a little bit yep, of an issue. Dickinson, that that's right. So, yeah. uh, bands like that were kind of causing problems for Leander, I think. Uh, wow. But Leander was an honor band champion right. at that time. Um, Leander also was a BOA regional champion in that period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're probably going to get to the snags of Leander went on to be one of the first 10 schools to make BOA Grand National Finals from Texas. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. By so the end of that decade. When did they jump to the big dis- uh, big classification, 5A? Was that in 2000 or 98? It was 96. Oh, so 96. Okay, 96. Mm-hmm. And for a refresher for those that don't understand what UIL used to be like, we had region, we had area, and back then area was at UT down in, in Austin because it was AstroTurf, so you could have it there. And they talk, They took the top two bands out of your area to go to state. So there wasn't finals, and there wasn't one band for every five that showed up. So I remember in 95, my, my senior year, um, it was Churchill and Leander that advanced um, 
because that would have been a 5A year, which we were the big thing. Or maybe it wasn't Leander. That doesn't make sense. But Churchill was one of them. But yes, back then they took the top two bands. So I guess in Central Texas, it would have been like Georgetown and Leander kind of thing in 4A, right? Yeah, no, that sounds about right in that area because Round Rock and I believe Westwood was open by then. They would have been 5A. They were a lot bigger. And then all the Austin IC schools were a little bit bigger. Yeah, ra- ra- back then um, Westlake was, like, was big. Yeah, yeah. Round Rock, Westlake, uh, believe it or not, yes, Crockett in the uh, up to the mid-90s. And then things kind of changed. And then Bowie came about. Um, so, yeah, so that kind of worked. So Leander jumps to 5A, which was at the time the biggest classification and yes. the first time I saw them, or the second time rather, but with a more cultured eye and ear was in 2000 when they did the Rimsky korsakov show, which if you go back and watch that show, you can, I mean, that's, that's got Amanda's fingerprints all over it. All over the assistant. it. I mean, it's basically, you can go like, oh, that's Marcus, you know, in their dominance, just like the early version of it. But she had uh, Michael Klesch writing the music. Uh, she had, Tom, I think Tom Hannum was doing the percussion books back then, which would have would have been that kind of thing. And that year, was that the first year they went to Grand Nationals with 2000 or had they gone previous? It was the previous year, 1999. Um, oh. So it's actually interesting. They were dealing with the school split and they went to Grand Nationals, which is not super That's common right. choice. That's right. And they had the giant props where like half the, the string instrument looked like it was in the ground, yep. right? Music of the French Romantics with the violin prop and yeah. they had a, an electric violin. There's a story behind that electric right. violin, but they had an electric violin at Grand Nationals um, that, that they put in like you have to walk up to it this is before i guess they had like super big prop limits in the way. but <laughs> yes yeah, so center but, grove hadn't uh <clears throat> done any they hadn't issues. ruined it for everyone <laughs> but uh but yeah so that was that was leander's deal and they played some really great music it's actually funny if you listen to kind of the amanda drinkwater period of time in leander and then listen to some of her marcus shows mm-hmm. you'll this is something that one of my directors told me to notice for, but like you can tell that she learned some lessons. Like Leander programmed really hard yeah. in that time. Um, like they're basically playing Dionysiacs in 1999 in the Grand National stage from the book. Yeah, um, yeah. And when Marcus played Dionysiacs again in 2008 for their Gods and Goddesses show, they were not playing it from the book. Nah. They were playing it harder than most bands could handle. They sure, about that. Sure. But they were not playing the book Leander played in 1999. Yeah, they were going off I, of I the Spring 93 book, right? Like, basically, Spring 93 played Hindemith <laughs> as written, and she did the same thing, or they did the same thing in 99, right, with their with their book. Yeah, that's basically what Leander was doing at that time period. They're play- I mean, I think a lot of bands... I mean, we can have a whole other... Con- we should have another whole conversation okay. about what, it, what does it mean to play to the book or not uh-huh. um, these days. We could. But... Um, but Leander's playing to the book. And I think, from what I've heard, those, those that wasn't always easy. Um, they made it work, but it wasn't always easy. Um, so I think there's good reason why whenever people play those types of pieces again, they kind of figure out what worked best um, and what's going to work a little bit better if they do it a little differently. Yeah, yeah. You know, Back then we had Leander, Churchill was playing kind of you know classical, neo-romantic, neoclassical music. They were playing hard books. Um, and I, I feel like if you if we were to pinpoint the one band right now that's carrying on that tradition, uh, Hebron, right? Hebron's the one that's like yeah. let's let's put every everyone's playing tons of black notes for nine minutes, <laughs> and we're not watering. He- Hebron plays a little past the book, I might even say. <laughs> it's not hard enough. <laughs> 
Yeah, no. It seems, sometimes I'm like, is that actually in the source music, or are they just yeah. kind of playing notes to uh, flex on everybody else? Yeah, seriously, seriously. So you mentioned something, I didn't know this, um, that Leander was the 10th band out of Texas to make Grand National Finals, or was one of the first 10 bands, or explain this. One of the first 10. Gotcha, okay. One of the first 10. So Westfield, mm-hmm. I think, is notoriously the first. Correct. Um, Duncanville, also. Uh-huh. Spring. Yep. Klein High School. That's right. That's right. Uh, Churchill. Yep. And I think Leander, I guess Leander's probably sixth then. Yeah, Leander would be one of the first six. The uh, Laredo Nixon went to summer nationals, if you want to count that. Uh, I uh, guess we can count that. I mean, Marion counts those titles as part of their titles. So I guess, you know, that's seven, right? Yeah, yeah but Leander is definitely in the first 10 to make yeah. that trip from Texas. I mean, that's the first seven right there. LD Bell would have been the next one. Because they started going in 2002 mm, or 2000, 2001. So that would be, LD Bell's eight. Reagan would be nine. And then um, mm-hmm. uh, Woodland. Probably the Woodlands. Yeah, Woodlands would be 10th. Oh, well, there's, no, there's, uh, no, because, ooh, who went? I, I think Haltum. No, not Haltum. Nope. Someone went around the 1999-2000 era and did not make finals. Someone, Connelly? Someone went somewhere between 1998 Connolly when I think in 2002, 2003, maybe. Okay, so I'm, I'm off. Um, there bit. was some, I would have to look. Oh. But maybe Richland went, someone went. Yes, Richland would have gone with, the turn yeah, of the century. it was with Bill's and Bill and Higginbotham's shows. Um, yeah, I think yes. Richland would have been right Yeah, before. I think they went, yeah, in that time period. But Leander's definitely one of the first 10 to make it up. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, Leander's at seven at worst, I think, as we were going that, as we were going into that. So, um, let, let, let's talk about, um, your favorite band in Leander ISD, Cedar Park. Okay. Um, (laughs) now that's your rival, right? Is is Cedar Park and Leander rivals? Is that correct? In my time? Absolutely. Okay. Um, like by the time I was in high school, they're the only schools in the district for about nine years. Mm -hmm. Leander had, uh, Leander and Cedar Park have been in the same class since I think 2002. Yeah. Because Cedar Park moved up right after they got their championship. Um, which is perfect timing for that. So at that time, that rivalry was very fierce, like in all spectrums. It wasn't just band. Like football was like a big deal. Like AC Bible Stadium, 14,000 seats sold out for the what we call the Battle of Baghdad. Right. Um, they call it the Crosstown Showdown. Um, so it was like a big deal. Um, the rivalry was very fierce. And, you know... I, the band rivalry was fierce, but I don't know if they thought it was as strong as we did. Um, like <laughs> we, I think we had a big chip on our shoulder. Yeah. Uh, the last time Leander had beaten Cedar Park one one in band was 2003. So mm. nobody in band by the time I was there like even knew what that felt like. And I think that was kind of like a big deal for us. Yeah. Um, and Cedar Park, of course, like was at one of their many apexes at that point. Sure. Um, you know, 2008 to 2010, like the time I was in high school was a really big run for them. And mm-hmm. they, they racked up a lot of really great and well-deserved accolades. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always kind of like, why can I be for Cedar Park? <laughs> right. Um, because I mean, there's, I, I, I obviously went to Princeton at a really great law school. Now I, I really like to win. I like to be great. I like to be perfect. Um, and so being in the same district as Cedar Park, yeah, you know, I was like, I kind of wish I was them, and like I'd Aww. be sitting in the stands during finals, and we didn't make finals, and we watching them. But, yeah. I mean, I clearly, obviously, really love Leander. Leander's a major part of my former experience as a person and as a musician and someone who appreciates music. But um, you know, I just looked up to Cedar Park a lot, and and just kind of wish that that was my band experience. And um, you know, it, it was interesting. I mean, like. 
being in the same school district, you learn things like you, you talk to each other at competitions, you get to know each other in all state process. So like you, you make some friends, mm-hmm. you, you, you hear the dirty secrets of their programs and then they hear yours, which is always fun. But, um, you know, it's just something where it's like the grass is always green on the other side oh. and Cedar Park is a course greener because that's, right, that's their green. school color. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but you know, it, it was good to watch them. And, and I really appreciate being in high school when I was, cause I got to see them get really close to a medal and then 5A. And I got to watch them make Grand National Finals, too. Mm-hmm. And I think that it was really awesome to see a band in the district still do so well. Because it makes the whole district look good, right? For so, sure. Yeah. And this was uh, before uh, the LISD South, uh, LISD North dominance of the entire state. Like, this was, it was just one band, you know, kind of holding it down for the district. Because there was only two bands at the time. Um, three. Or two. Three by the time I was in high school. That's true. That's true. Well, so before we we're get, gonna get in, there, before we get to the third school, I want to talk about Cedar Park's style because, correct me if I'm wrong, when Cedar Park opened, was Dennis still the head director at Leander or had they gone to, uh, uh, oh God, Bill, I think? Bill, something? He had just, Paul, so Paul Hopkins had, not yet. You're okay. missing one. Um, Dennis Hopkins had just rolled off. And Keith Witt. Was oh there, my God! Leander. It was Keith Witt and Amanda. That's yes. right. I... And Nels Gunderson came on the year they went to Grand Nationals. Gotcha. As the third, right? Um, yes. Okay. Okay. So Cedar Park opens uh, with Ron Morrison, uh, famously mm-hmm. with Ron Morrison, and I, I remember seeing Cedar Park's like I think like their first kind of competitive show in their their dish, their classification was the the Rhythms of Color or Colors of Rhythm or something like that. And uh, they didn't advance to That's state. So turn of the century marching band. Yeah, and and what's interesting is that wasn't what they ended up becoming. It's almost like they did that. They got to that show and go like, yeah, why don't we just do what Leander was doing? Um, they used the same arranger, music arranger Michael Klesh. Um, and you know Ron Morrison and Jeremy Spicer were kind of the ones, ones kind of leading that. So they really leaned into what. Leander, Cedar Park, and Vandergrift have become famous for. Leander, not so much anymore. They've really changed um, on, on a dime, really, of what the Leander band history is. And it's actually working out incredibly well for Leander. But, you know, you see Cedar Park kind of stand on the shoulders of what Leander did and Cedar Park started. Like you said, they were succeeding with it. And they, up until this year, and they've changed completely their design teams. We didn't get to see it because of the pandemic, but they basically have like the Ronald Reagan LD Bell design team. You know, Aaron Guidry's doing music, Leon May's doing drill. We don't know what Cedar Park's going to look and sound like now. But up until this point, they were doing super classical, right? They were they were uh, uh, the new era of Leander, if you will, right? Yeah, and I think that's what was really fantastic about them. They were serious about playing really good quality classical music and putting it on the field. And I think every band in Leander ISD is a little different about it. Um, whenever they do their heavy, intense classical music period, if they have one. <laughs> well, we can talk about not every school has had that. Correct. But um, for Leander, I mean, I think you can listen to Marcus. You can see a lot of parallels. Um, Leander was just doing really solid music. It was kind of in the box, um, but they still, like, were cute about it and they push a little, they push some limits too, right? Like electric violin, come on. So there, there was that. And then I think Cedar Park was very not in the box. I mean, there, the sound was good. It was all the tonal center things you think about were completely well accomplished. Mm-hmm. But Cedar Park played classical music that was kind of designed to be in your face. Yep. Um, and that that's what they did. They did it 
right at the edge, which is probably why they named their kind of pinnacle show of that period mm-hmm. on the edge. Um, but they did it, and they kind of like focused it in right at the right moment before it got to be a little bit too much. And that's kind of what they were doing. And it, it's interesting because the park shows where they didn't do that so much were the ones that weren't doing so well mm-hmm. or like kind of got to the finish line when they needed to get to the finish line. Like I'd say that genius was kind of like that. It was a slow burn for sure. Their pursuit of happiness show, which is my freshman year, uh, was a kind of a lagger relatively. Um, but they made it where they needed to go. I will say their 2006 show was fire fire of eternal glory should have been one of those shows that, I mean, it was like very much typical, like we're just going to play loud for the sake of playing loud secret park. But I don't think the state judges love that one so much, yeah. even though I think they were first or second out of area. So, I mean, but I think overall, Cedar Park's style in that time period was extremely unique. Um, no one was doing what they were doing um, at that period. And they did it really well. They carved out a really good niche. Um, of course, they were running up against Bell and Marcus when Bell and Marcus were doing Bell and Marcus things. But yeah. Um, yeah. in that way, I'll take it as a win. I'll say that Leander, in that regard, was still beating Cedar Park because <laughs> because Amanda Drinkwater's learning very was taking in very valuable lessons she learned at Leander putting them in Marcus. So yeah. I, I'm gonna claim that, I think. But um but no Cedar Park was a really fantastic band. So like of course I was a little jealous when I was watching. Right. But you know it was really great to see that too. So Yeah, and and Cedar Park only enjoyed sort of this only two bands kind of thing for what, like five years before Vista Ridge had to open, right? Vista Ridge opened five or six years after Cedar Park did? Vista Ridge opened in 2003. And so what's that? it's either five or six, depending on when Cedar Park opened, Yeah, right? exactly. So yeah, five or six years after, because the east side of the district where Vista Ridge is, was like kind of exploding with some master plan subdivisions mm-hmm. opening up in that area of the Austin metro area. So yeah, they, they started off a little bit slower. Um, I think they spent a little bit more time in the lower classes. Uh, right. But yep. they made... For a state finals in 2007, mm-hmm. and then advanced the state as soon as they moved up in 2008. So they definitely got there. I think Vista Ridge spent really like 15 solid years just kind of finding an identity. And I think when you have a band like Leander, which is so storied, and mm-hmm. then you have Cedar Park, who is really at the top of their game when Vista Ridge was coming up, and then you have these two new high schools on the horizon that are going to start kind of sucking some air up out of the room. It's really hard to just kind of like figure out what you're going to be. Um, and I think that Vista Ridge is caught in the middle of that. Of course, they're in a really great spot right now. I think there's still some identity finding um, because their their design team is great but new. But I think they're still just trying to like figure out what exactly we're going to be. Mm-hmm. So this Ridge was really interesting to watch at that time period because it's like you have tons of talented students and of course they have the best middle school uh-huh. theater in the country Absolutely. by far. Uh, but but it, it's something different to kind of like put that yeah. all together, right? Like that's a whole nother thing. And I think other schools, perhaps even in the district, can show that a theater situation that isn't perfect can be rectified in high school with really great teaching. Right. Um, so like I wouldn't say that's the end all be all, but you know, Visturage was never going to be a program that didn't figure it out, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think the kids feeding into that program were always just too talented. And I think the directors there were always just too driven and, like, knew what they were doing. So yeah. it's just all... Sometimes things just have to come together, right? And I think there are just a number of bands, especially in Texas, where there might just be one or two things that just aren't clicking or coming together. But 
I think any band can be the next band of the day uh, mm-hmm. if those things happen. Um, I think it's a lot easier to happen in Lee and Dreisty. There's a lot of cultural support. There's a lot of community support, support from the district, which helps things a lot. But uh, I think any district with that type of paradigm shift along with all the factors that you need to coalesce coalescing can easily be there just mm-hmm. as easily as any school. I mean, we're talking about Lee and Dreisty in part because it's probably the prominent marching band district right now in the mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing to say that any other district in or out of Texas could be that too. Uh, I think it's harder outside of Texas because there are some institutional things that make Texas fans kind of wall primed. But I, I think that's just, if it's a priority for the school district, it can be a priority. And if that is true, then schools anywhere in the nation can take advantage of that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Vista being 4A, which was at that time the second largest classification, they were going up against Hendrickson and Connolly, who at the time were 4A heavy hitters. Like Connolly is a silver medalist. Oh, Dripping Springs. Dripping was also Springs, too. Yeah. They had three of the top five 4A bands in the state, depending on the year Friendswood or Richland. You know, they would go back and forth between smaller and big ones. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, so Vista was not only having to find their identity in place in Leander ISD, but also amongst the, the killer 4A programs at that time that were, you know, in Vista, like you said, they kicked around and they were using similar design team members from some of the more successful area programs. You know, they were using, they're still using the same arranger that was doing Bowie and Round Rock at the time. Now Ryan George is doing Leander and Vista, but you know, it was, it was a, a change of like, well, well, let's try this jewel rider. Let's, you know, and Vista also said, let's do a color guard. No, let's do a dance team. Maybe we'll do color guard. Like they're, you know, right now they have a color guard, but they notoriously had like dance team for a while. Um, so they were, they were trying to, they were just trying to figure it all out. They didn't come out of the gate, you know, shooting you know, gold medals the way Cedar Park and Vandergrift seemed to do. Um, but I think Vandergrift could see what Vista did. And, you know, and we'll talk about Vista, I mean, Vandergrift in a minute, but yeah, Vista was kind of sort of, they're the third child. They're taking some time to find themselves. <laughs> they're experimenting with some things. And it obviously worked because they're the only Leander ISD school to win a state championship in the largest conference, right? That is true. Though some would say it, it could have happened this year if uh, we had had it. Um, but You'll never know. We, well, that's a Reagan show, 2005. Um, boy, I can't wait to talk about BOA Grand National Injustices at some point. Put that on your list. <laughs> All right. So um, speaking of the next school, so Leander has three kids and they go, you know what? I want another one. So they have Rouse High School, which I don't even know where Rouse is at. Right? Rouse was next. Is that correct? Rouse is like uh, east north. No. Yes. East northeast of Leander High School and kind of like northwest north northwest of Vista Ridge so it's like a kind of in a northeastern part of the district gotcha and and I know it as the place that's close to the HEB center in Cedar Park um it, it is the closest high school to the HEB center yeah and at that time Rouse was in the sticks right like the, I mean Rouse was kind of in the sticks. like <laughs> now you drive out there and you have development is I mean basically Austin doesn't end until you get to like burn it almost um that's why high school seven is going to be in that area makes sense that makes sense so Rouse opens up and they open up with Lee Crochet as the head director he had team opened uh Aikens High School in Austin Independent along with Garth or Nils Gunderson do you remember I can't remember it wouldn't have been Nils. So it might have been Garth. Been I Garth. think Lee and Garth opened Aikens. And we didn't mention this, but... That Brian, sounds right. And Brian Christian, who opened up Vista, opened Stony Point. Stony Point. Rock. And it's, it's really interesting that. to see 
what those both of those head directors did at their first schools that they opened, because it's not unfair to say that when they then opened Hendrickson and opened Vista Ridge, they were way more successful at these programs. For whatever reasons, they just had more success than they did at Stony Point or Aikens. So, so Rouse opens up, and much like Vista, I don't think it's unfair to say that Rouse took a, a while to get their train going. Um, m- many would say it was until they had their third head director in history, right? Because we, uh, we had Lee for a number of years. He leaves at the middle of the year because he becomes a principal. He gets his administrative license or certificate. And former director of uh, Vandergriff High School, Jeremy Spicer, comes on board for one semester to lead the band, uh, basically the spring semester. And then Jason Robb, who was at Cedar Park High School. They had one state. They had gone to Grand Nationals. He takes over Rouse. And much like Vista figuring it all out, Rouse suddenly started doing really well in their class. They're still in the second largest class, which is 5A, but they're a two-time state finalist. They have made BOA regional finals. Um, they, they, they've kind of figured it out. Now that they have another director, the fourth director now, Jason has stepped aside, and Ryan Johnstone um, has taken over. Ryan was an incredibly successful middle school director in Alito as well as Round Rock. And you know, now we haven't seen or heard what he's going to do, but one would have to assume Rouse is going to continue on their trajectory, right? It's going to keep I it like stonks. Wait. It's going to go up. I mean, I think the marching band side of Rouse is going to be super exciting to watch, but I can't wait to see Ryan Johnstone just clean up Honor Band and 5A <laughs> for a number of years, just win it every single time he's eligible. I think it's going to be super fantastic to watch that because, I mean, you can watch his Canyon Vista and Alito mm-hmm. accolades for themselves. He was basically doing the exact same thing when he was a middle school band director. I have no reason to believe that he won't do that. It must be the Ivy League thing. Because uh, <laughs> where did he go to school? He went to... So we can talk about my sales, my sore spot for Yale. Oh, okay, um, but he did later. go to Yale. But he did go to Yale, yes. Um, so I think... I, I'm really looking forward to see, especially seeing that it's one of the schools that I can claim because my house was at one point zone for Rouse. Yes. Uh, I, I'm excited to see their success. But um, it was interesting to watch Rouse because it, they're always just kind of bubbling under, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think in an abstract, they're, they were like a perfectly fine band their first 10 years on the spot. But I think it's just really hard whenever you're in a district with all these other hitters, um, too, right? And I think that isn't easy. There's also a, a really interesting year where Leander had gone down to, I guess, now 5A, and Rouse was actually in 6A that year. Um, oh. So they competed because they were really large, and then they kind of fuzzed the tenants' boundaries and opened up Glen, so they went back down. Mm-hmm. But there was a period of time when Rouse was just kind of hanging out by themselves. <laughs> um, but this reminds me of... Actually, we'll talk about it after we get to Bandigriff. but oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited for Rouse. It's really great that they're hitting their stride. They're, they and Leander are the most similar schools in LASD. Uh, they have the fewest proportions of white students. Well, I guess Glenn might change that now. But at that point, they had the fewest numbers of white students in their student body population. They're much more economically disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like always interesting to see how how band directors deal with that because now band is becoming like a rich person sport. I think it always has been, but right now it's very much a country club sport. And I think it's not easy to play the game. Um, Even in a suburban district, if you're not as like well off as the other suburbs, I think there's a point of admission returns, like super, super, super wealthy schools don't really do super well in band, but there's like a a point of affluence where um, 
I'd say Vista Ridge, Van Graaff, and for the most part, Cedar Park, I think, are at. So whenever you're dealing with Leander and Rouse and soon Glenn, how do you deal with kind of the institutional not advantages or disadvantages or lack of advantages that you have at that point? Like, how do you deal with the fact that all your students aren't capable of taking private lessons? How do you deal with the fact that your students might have other commitments? How do you deal with your fact that your students might not have a perfect kind of lily two-parent household and how do you deal with kind of the struggles that might come with just like other types of diversity that are just going to be more present um, versus in these other types of schools. And so I think that's also another thing about Rouse. I mean, you don't only have the kind of band identity thing whenever there are other bands kind of sucking air out of the room in your immediate area. You also kind of have to deal with their other institutional problems. Like how do you best teach kids um, and give them the best opportunities for success um, that they're totally capable of. So I think that that's been really interesting to watch schools um, like Leander, like Rouse, and schools that are, I think, are even more socioeconomically disadvantaged or have been growing that way since their kind of best heydays. Just deal with that. And, I, and those are schools I like to root for generally. So I'm, I'm a really big fan of Rouse. I can't wait to see what they do in the next few years before they get their population split a little bit. But I think that you know, they're, they're, they're one of my big bands to watch right now. I have a lot of other bands to watch in and out of Texas, but like in terms of LIC, um, they're, they're definitely it. So if you were going to buy stocks in a band, you'd, you'd go in heavy on Rouse is what you're saying. Um, I would go in heavy on Rouse, but I would hedge with Vandegrift, uh, which is probably a good second <laughs> Oh, great. That's, that. that's easy. That's easy. <laughs> well, speaking of Vandergrift, as apparently I don't always pronounce the last T when I speak that, they opened famously, at least in the area, right after Rouse. They should have opened two years after Rouse opened, but because certain communities get certain things, <laughs> Vandergrift opened one year early in a middle school, and you can listen to the Jeremy Spicer episodes where he actually talks about how they functioned opening up in what is now Four Points Middle School. But Vandergrift opens up. They are a 4A program. Jeremy Spicer had taken over. That was his first gig after doing incredibly well running the marching band. And, and Cedar Park started this thing that's kind of sweeping the nation, or sweeping the state at least, where the, the head director, the number one person, is the director of bands, but then the number two person, in this case Jeremy Spicer, is the director of the marching band. And Leander started doing that with Robert Saladin was running the marching band, and Nils was still the head director. Um, I don't know that that happens now in some of the... But this, you know, Cedar Park did it uh, famously with Evan Van Doren. Steve Wessels was on there. Bob Christie, Steve Wessels, Chris Yee, Bob Christie. And now that Chris Yee is the head director, my understanding is Kendall Stevenson is now the director of the marching band. So all that to say is Jeremy didn't go and open Vandergrift as a like, oh, I've never done this before. Like he knew what he was going to do. And they came in, 45 kids or so, one place away. They were state alternate from making state their very first time in competitive nice. history. Now, I, I, when we recorded the episode, we forgot about this. It had never been done before until this year on a calculation error. But nevertheless, the Lake Belton High School Band advanced to state in their very first year of competition this year. Um, I watch Lake Belton now. They're better than Vandegrift. So, ba sorry, Jeremy Spicer, you um, strike your name from the record books. You've been replaced. Sorry, Jeremy, that's fine. You, you can settle for every other, other thing that you've won. But Vandegrift opens up and quickly <laughs> becomes you know after that first year then the next two years they basically sweep every class 1a 2a kind of thing except for when they hit air academy i think at boa san antonio but mm -hmm. they they basically were just you know kicking a's and taking names almost from the start right it was crazy so and i got i was a junior and senior in high school when they were open so i got to watch this in real time 
<laughs> and uh, we didn't see Vandegrift at all when I was a junior um, because we were in a different class mm-hmm. and Vandegrift wasn't going to big boy competitions yet. But of course, on their second year, they decided they were going to start going to big boy competitions. <laughs> and uh, we went to BOA Houston, which was in uh, Conroe. Yep. At that time at Woodforce Bank. And we played our show. And like I said, Soros Sahara wasn't super great. Um, but Vandegrift played their show 2010. No, the parish show was 2011, Ballet for Martha. I think. There you go. It was Ballet for Martha, 2010. And they... <laughs> yeah, they meddled. Not only made finals, <laughs> but they... <laughs> I laugh because it's just so crazy to think about and like just articulate and say out loud. But they, of course, as you know, meddled mm-hmm. as a second year school. And that that wasn't... I mean, say what you want about the Wetlands and Reagan that year. They're both going through transitions. Wetlands has got a new director. As Reagan. well as Spring. Spring was going through some issues as well. Spring, like... You know, the bands that go to B- SFA was like, SFA, I think, skipped. No, SFA won that year. But, like, I think the, the Houston regional mainstays were all kind of, like, flexing a little bit at that point. And I think that 2010 was kind of a, a rough start for a number of them. Even though a lot of them figured it out by the end of the season. Um, so, Vandegrift was kind of ripe for it. Mm-hmm. And I remember they went to Arlington the weekend before, and they didn't make finals, but I think they did medal. They were... They meddled in their class. So I was like, oh, Vandergrift should be interesting to watch. Um, and then, <laughs> I don't know what Jeremy Spicer did in that, that week, but whatever he did, <laughs> whatever he did clearly worked. Yeah. Um, and it was just really, part of me hated it, right? Like, you know, as I told you, like watching Cedar Park and I was like always jealous. And part of me just was like, oh my God, I can't believe there's another band for me to be jealous of. And they just got on the scene. Yep. Um, but it, like I said, at the same time for having pride in my school district and like what that means for all the music programs, it was really fantastic that that happened. Um, that's just, that just looks really great mm-hmm. um, for every, for everyone involved. And they were fantastic. And of course, when you start off with the flame that bright, what else could it do but continue to burn um, and, and burn brighter and brighter? And I think that's just what Van Grift's done. I don't. I think the only other band that's really kicked off that way and for the most part sustained is is Ronald Reagan and, and Claudia Taylor Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an I thirty five thing, I think. Um, but. <laughs> But I think, you know, Vandegrift is obviously like a really fantastic example of really committed kids and really committed directors and and just really good programming. Mm -hmm. Um, I think even Vandegrift's weaker shows are really great. And I think Vandegrift's really great shows are fantastic. And I think that the accolades speak for themselves. I mean, music captions is a fourth, fifth year school, um, never missed after that first year. Uh, a state finals, mm-hmm. um, medals all around. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably spend time talking about BOA versus UIL bands, but um, you know, Vandegrift for a while kind of looked like they're going to be a, a UIL band a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, they were they were middle of packish at BOA San Antonio for the most part, and then they said, "We don't care about your <laughs> BOA UIL band." shenanigans will just be who we are and you can take it or leave it and mm-hmm. the judges are very well happy to take it these days yeah. so I, I just i mean and we talked about classical music and vandegrift is carrying the classical music torch right now for lisd mm-hmm. and they are 
I think kind of the best mix in some ways of what Leander was for that lineage and what Cedar Park was for that lineage. Vanagriff plays and they play out and I think that's really great. I do think their sound is more focused and controlled than Cedar Park's was Agreed. in their time period. Um, and they handle it a lot better. Um, and I think that they're not afraid to play to the book, um, but they play to the book in a very kind of like, I think a little bit serious of a way. Not to say that Leander wasn't serious about playing to the book, but I think that Leander, I think that Vandergriff just like holds that music super well and programs it really well too and knows what their kids are capable of by the end of the season and even by the midpoint of the season if we're going to be perfectly honest. But I think that's all been really great for Vandergriff and I think they've been fantastic and they Grand National Champions. Like, I think that really yeah. just says it for himself. And we'll, I think- We'll talk about more about that part, the BOA part. But you, you made a comment, yeah. and this is a, maybe for a different podcast. The, you mentioned about book versus going off book, so to speak. And I would disagree with you about what you said with Vandergriff. I would wager that Hebron, like we said, sticks closer to the book. Flower Mound sticks closer to the book than what a Vandergrift would do. But we could, we could, we can piss people off later on a future. I episode. can respect that. Um, Flower Mound is the book, by the way. But yeah, sure have, <laughs> and, and the Woodlands too. Even even the I mean that and that's the same okay, person. It's Wayne Downey. I'd fully disagree on you. Really? I think, I think the Woodlands goes off book in a really great way. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I don't. I when I, I guess when I say book versus off book, I think of watering down, and. I don't think the Woodlands... Woodlands has notoriously been really, really hard, like Hebron, like Claudia Taylor. And when Woodlands cleaned it up, made it just a little bit easy, they won Grand Nationals. <laughs> you know, they... <laughs> but, oh, they did clean it up that year. But it was really great and effective since. Correct. But yeah. I think if you think about... So they both played the same source of music for part of their shows in 2008. Mm-hmm. And it was both their closer. They played um, Bartok's Concerto for Orchestra. And I think Vandegrift was way more on book than Woodlands sure. in terms of what they're actually playing and how it combined with the source material. That's what I'm thinking with Vandegrift. Gotcha. I know they like water stuff. I around, see what you're I saying. Think in okay. terms of like to the source music, I think Vandegrift plays their music to a T, which Correct. I think for you were right. an educated audience, I think for a judging audience is really smart of them um, because they can play music as someone hears it in a concert hall. Right. And they're playing it, they're not playing it concert hall like, like Marcus, but I think they're playing it to the same way where someone could be following the score from the original and yeah. track it Agreed. pretty well. I would and I that. think that that works to their advantage really well in a way that maybe in the late 90s, Leonard couldn't always keep up with. Sure. And I think that that's been a really big part of the success. Because um, I think it's really easy to say that Vandegriff can get a little stale or boring. Um, I might even say that's a critique I've had before. Yeah, But I, I think that Vandegrift is committed to putting out really good music and putting out really good music that people know. Mm-hmm. Um, even if they just kind of like hear it. Um, but they, they've like, I've heard that somewhere before where there's like on a commercial or something like that. Sure. And I think they play it super well. Mm-hmm. And I think they know exactly how to deal with their dynamics. They know exactly how to manage the size of their band. They know exactly how to manage the fact that they have a lot of good field coverage. And that's all been really great to see. And I think that I, I don't always think that the bands that win Grand Nationals are really great models for bands around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that for band group. I think that they are actually quite a good model on how to replicate what they're doing and and find success for other bands um they're not doing stuff that's out of the ordinary they have a pretty accessible drill book i would say Mm -hmm. 
Um, their music book's hard, but their music book is of the type where a band that didn't have the institutional success or markers of success that they have could also like figure out how to play sure um on their own level and i think that's all really good for the activity um so it's really great to see grand nationals champions be vandegrift even if i don't always think they're just the most interesting the most compelling um or the most book pushing because not every band has to be a book pusher right there are a number of bands that do that like Broken Arrow does that one way. Blue Springs does that one way. Leander does that one way. Mm-hmm. Like you have bands that do that, and that's fine. And some book, some bands need to just be in, in charge of kind of being the 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 pace setter for like what what should good music sound like, what should good marching sound like. And I think at least for good music right now, Vandegrift is one of those bands um, because, like I said, I think Huber goes past the book in a good way, but I think you go a little bit past the book in what they play and what they're doing isn't necessarily accessible to what other bands are capable of. Um, I don't think that's true for Vandegrift. I think what they're doing is a lot more accessible, and I think they're a really good pace setter for the activity musically. Right. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, before we move on, I just want to mention, uh, we were talking about BOA Woodlands 2000, and you, you you sitting there and watching Cedar Park and Vandergrift make finals. You know who else made finals at that regional? There I'm, were a lot of really interesting bands that made yeah, finals. Yeah, and they regional, didn't just I know you're talking in. about Claudia Taylor-Johnson. Well, Claudia was ninth. Oh, no, you're talking about McNeil, because were you writing for McNeil uh, then? Well, why else would I have brought it up, Jamil? It is uh, the first well, McNeil, time... That was a fun show. It was, and it was the first time a Round Rock school ever made BOA finals, and that is one of That's McNeil's true. only... Two only finalists. The other second was, appearance was in a Midland show. Um, and I think it's not unfair to say making finals at BOA Houston is a little bit harder, <laughs> even if it was spring and Westfield when they were maybe on their downturn, Claudia hadn't become Claudia yet. Um, but I just um, want to throw that in there. Another Austin area band making, making right. finals. So I, I really enjoyed that show. That was the Wizard of Oz show, right? It was. Uh, and weirdly enough, I didn't know that Aaron was also doing such an amazing Wizard of Oz show with Broken Arrow, which I still listen to and watch to this day. Uh, I love that show. I do not like that. Oh, show, boy. We can well, talk about that later. We can. We can. Uh, that night, I wanted Avon to win, and I'm glad they did. But now that we have the, the, the benefit of hindsight, I think Broken Arrow should have won 2010. But, you know, I'm sure if, if Carl listens to this, I'll get a message about that one. But, um, okay. So, five kids wasn't enough for Leander. They said, we want six. So, um, John B. Glenn, former astronaut. That's probably not right. That's the only Glenn I know. That is not correct. Okay. It is a former um, superintendent of LISD. Okay, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. Uh, they open up Glenn High School. Uh, explain where it is. I won't know. Um, but how does this relate to geographic geography? So, Glenn is like in the like north central, kind of northwest-ish part of the district. So, it's like kind of due north of Leander. Um, if you know of Baghdad Road with no age... Um, it's just further up Baghdad Road from Leander High School. So they're literally like all of a 12 minute drive from each other. Oh, wow. Um, which shows kind of how close these, how dense Leander is getting, uh, yeah. how close these high schools are. But um, yeah, no, it's big. It looks like a kind of a community college campus. It's really impressive. If you're ever are in that area, you should drive by it. It's really interesting to see like how the high schools just kind of grown and they're massive in size. Mm-hmm. Um, to hold the population but you know they're they're new on the scene and they you know in true lisd form didn't take all that long to make it to the state marching band contest and i think that you know it's only up and up um glenn's gonna be a really interesting spot um because i think kind of the same issues or or same circumstances rather that leander and rouse have with kind of a broader spectrum of diversity versus the southern lisd schools i think that's all true 
But uh, Glen is where all the new builds are, and those new mm. builds are like three hundred, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar houses that are getting upped and hiked by the Californians moving in to yeah. eventually sell at four hundred, five hundred, seven hundred. Oh my so, god! Yeah. I mean, I think that I think that demographic shift is going to affect all the northern schools, so Lander and Mouse too, and I think it already has been. But I think it's going to be interesting in Glen because that the Glen was effectively built for those new subdivisions popping in, mm-hmm. and I think it'll be interesting how that ban rises to that occasion because I think within the next five and especially ten years, going to be well positioned in terms of socioeconomics to be a rousing success I, I think that they're they're really well primed and really excited to see what they do i think there's some identity finding for sure mm-hmm. um but they all, of course have talented directors there and i think that's going to make a big difference going forward for just what they are to be i mean this was only going to be their fifth season last yeah. season this is their sixth season coming up and i think you know It'll be exciting to see. Uh, it might take them a little bit longer. They might figure it out this year. Who knows? But I, I'm really excited to see where mm-hmm. they land. I mean, you know, not every school district can have six schools that all make the state marching band contest that I think in short order will all make finals in the state marching band contest who will probably all clog up BOA Austin to all the other Austin oh schools to grins. Thankfully, BOA is adding two more spots in finals, so that, that can help. But Oh, that's right. We were uh, supposed to do that last year, right? 12 in finals, 14 in Super yeah. Regional still, and only 12 yeah, at Grand Nationals. Yeah, exactly. But they didn't want Leander ISD to be half of finals in Austin anymore. That's why they had that extra two spots. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, how many other school districts take up half the spots in finals at a BOA competition? So I'm just I'm just saying. You are just saying. You're a homer. You're a homer on that. Well, So Glenn. I can be a homer for good results. Yes, yes. So Glenn made their first state um, in 2018 as a 5A school, right? That was the lower the the second biggest classification right 2019 19 oh was that 58 oh that's right cuz cedar park five air odds that's yeah. right so 19 was their first year making uh state uh another school mm-hmm. that opened relatively similar was weiss their flugerville we're not talking about them but they also opened up the same uh around the same time but they made state finals for the first time because they didn't advance their first coming year. out hot yeah they came out yeah, hot bob awesome. cressy opened that up Austin schools like to come out hot. They, well, like Cedar Ridge came out hot too. You know, they it's, did. It's a, something in the water. It is. And um, I think I blamed Mark Chambers for Reagan going like, hey, we're going to do stuff in the second year. And Jeremy goes, I'm going to try to do it in the first year. Bob Krusty did it in the first year. Cedar Ridge did it like first, second year. You know, the, And we're also getting directors that came from big schools. Cedar Ridge, Mark Kalima mm-hmm. came from Westfield. Bob Christie opened up Weiss coming from SFA, but previous to that, he was at Cedar Park. So Kim Shuttlesworth, who is the director at Glenn, came from Bowie. So you get these powerhouse people, and we'll talk about this in a second. It's very interesting. These directors have so much success outside of Leander, and then they move to Leander and have more success, right? Um, but but I, I, I kind of want to talk about, you mentioned all this dominance, all these groups. Now, I don't think Glenn and Rouse are at the point to make Austin finals yet, right? Like Rouse did. Well, Rouse just did it. Rouse just did it. So let me rephrase all of them. I don't think you're going to have all six in finals this year, right? Like I just don't think it's going to happen. Glenn is the, they could happen, but I think you still have to, you you still have Bowie. You still have, you know, all these other schools that come in. So anyway, but that's true. But I, I, we have this district 
everybody has made state. And p- point out this thing, maybe you pointed it out because you're a Leander Homer, but after the 2019 season, explain everything that the Leander ISD marching bands held. Um, and basically, they're holding it for the last two years. I, I, sorry, I guess Claudia won state, so that doesn't count. But um, do you remember that that statistic about Leander ISD and their bands? Yeah, let's see. So you have the 5A and 6A Texas State Marching Band Champions. Who were they? You have uh, Cedar Park and Vista Ridge. You have the Grand National Champion in Vandegrift. You have the 3A Champion at Grand Nationals, Leander. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the Austin... No, I don't think Rouse is 2A anymore. But, you know, you have Austin, you have Rouse, who is fourth or fifth place at the state marching band contest. And you have Glenn, who who made state marching made band contest. And 5A is only getting better and better. So you have a lot that's held there. Um, honor band? Vandegrift is the honor band. Yes, that is correct. So you also have that. You have two Midwest um, uh, they invitations. They <laughs> Leander and Vandegrift, uh, which is fantastic. You have the middle Vista Ridge has gone recently. The middle schools, we can be on here for another hour talking about I the know. middle school. Well, now, now real, real quick, we don't need to go into detail because this is a marching band related one, but who, Leander, uh, sorry, uh, Vista Ridge, Vandegrift, and Cedar Park have all won honor band, correct? Yes. And Leander. Leander won back in the forays with Keith Witt or with Dennis? I can't remember. That was with Dennis Hopkins. That was with Dennis. So we, they, so... Almost all of them have won a state title. Almost all of them, you know, the old the old guard. I guess Vanegrift's not an old guard. So honor band, state marching contest, Grand Nationals, Midwest, PASIC. Um, so this leads me to this question, and you're a homer, but maybe you'll have a little unbiased. Is Leander ISD the best district for band currently and slash or for all time? Currently, I have to say yes. Uh, I'm sure someone from LISD North is going to be super upset. With and that's Louisville that. ISD. That for those that is Louisville ISD. Um, but I think, in part, because more a better percentage of schools in LISD are, are handling themselves super well and doing really well. Uh, I think the trend is up for LISD, and I think LISD South, Leander ISD rather, mm-hmm. uh, and not that Louisville North. Louisville ISD is like going south or like trending down. I just think that Leander ISD is very much trending up right now. Um, they're killing the competitions they've been going to and only been doing better and better. Um, and I think that all the schools just have a really, really solid resume behind them. Um, and it's really hard to say anything about that, I think, right now. Um, it's just top to bottom it's just a really great district at this point mm-hmm. and it's really hard to suggest that they're not um and they're handling schools that are bigger than them too right like vandergrift's the biggest one they're only about 2700 which if you're not from texas that sounds huge but <laughs> everybody's texas, like what doesn't sound doesn't sound all that big but if you think about the fact that reagan and johnson are both well over 3000 if you think about the fact that you know, the Willens has a freshman center. Like, that doesn't exist in LISD. You're thinking about sure. the fact that the Louisville schools are all, like, in the 3,000s, close to 4,000. I mean, Leander schools are not super big. They're, like, mostly kind of between 1,900 and 2,600, 2,700. And they feel the bands that are just as big as these bands. Yeah. And and do their thing across a lot of different types and styles of marching band. And I think that with that type of breath, um, and the success that's coming from that breath and the fact that they're doing really well in all aspects of band in terms of marching band and in terms of concert band um, 
It's really fantastic. I mean, I think one one area where LISD lacks, or LISD South lacks, is that they don't push kids into the all-state bands like some of these other schools do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very rare that you get, say, 10 all-staters out of any of the LISD schools. It just wasn't really ever a thing. Um, and the LISD schools tend to be in really tough districts for that, I and mean, tough areas for that, and honor and that process too. But I think at the same time, that's maybe the, the weakness, if you want to call it that, <laughs> of the district. Right. Um, but maybe there's something to say about the fact that they're in a, they're developing really great groups, um, and they're not focusing on just pushing in a whole bunch of really great players by themselves. Maybe, maybe there's something pedagogically to appreciate about mm-hmm. them too. For sure. And when we talk about LASD North, Louisville, they only have five high schools. They have Flower Mound, Hebron, Louisville, Marcus, and the Colony. And, you know, Flower Mound, Hebron, and Marcus have been holding it down um, for 15 plus years. Um, and even though Hebron, uh, Marcus rather went through a director change, you know, I, they went down to what eighth at state and then they jumped back up, right? Like it was like, oh, we had a down quote unquote two years. Um, so it's almost like LASD South if we're going to put these in football terms, it's like the SEC, like every school in Leander ISD is like really good. Um, only one person can win. Like there, there's the Vandergriff would be the Alabama of right now, you know, or the LSU. Um, and, and it's not, you know, the colony is 5A, which is the second largest. So they're not, you know, they're kind of like Rouse and Louisville. I think they're 6A, um, but they, yeah. they haven't, they haven't enjoyed as the, the, the kind of success as Hebron, Flower Mount or Marcus, but who has, um, and, you know, so they have five. So three of their five are like firing on all cylinders. And, and, and in Leander, I would say five of the six or four of the six are achieving at super high levels, but then Rouse and Glenn are making state finals. So that's, I don't know why we would say that's not super high, but <laughs> they're, they're just not it's winning all be- awesome, right? because they're getting beat by Cedar Park, who's in their, their district also. I, I think the other thing about LISD, which is really important to think about, is that the schools get there quickly and sustain. That's mm-hmm. the other thing, right? Like I think in other districts, you know, Marcus was a really fantastic percussion program, but it was kind of like whatever as a band program. And then Amanda Drinkwater came along and I think Flower Mound took a while to just be Flower Mound and decide they were going to be Flower Mound. Right. And <laughs> yeah. And I think Hebron was a recent school that like was pretty good from the beginning, but they really took some time to hit a really good stride mm-hmm. as a school. Um, so it's a little bit different. I and mean, whenever LISD, whenever Leander IC opens up a school, you can count on that school being pretty good within five years and start killing it within 10. Mm-hmm. And that's just not something you can find really anywhere yeah. um, except, I guess, Northeast ISD. But they're not opening schools with the frequency that Leander ISD is. No, Northside. And I think that. The one doing that. It, it, and they Frisco. are really great. Both of those districts have really great bands, but I don't think that they're doing what. Leander ISD is doing, I think that's also just really hard to replicate. And that's one other reason why I'd say it's the best district for band. I mean, you just get a lot of bang for your buck and you can just kind of move in anywhere in the district and you know that a great band program is going to follow Yeah. Um, if it's not already there. And I think that's just not something you're getting everywhere else. And I think that context is super important as to why I give it to edge, give it the edge over other mm-hmm. multi-band districts. Right. And they're and, really great themselves. Yeah. And what's interesting, if you're my age or older, you can trace sort of this jumping around in the state of band dominance. You know, for so long, uh, Houston, uh, and you had Dallas, uh, DFW. And now I think you would be you'd be certain to say the Austin area is sort of the king. And we're talking Austin area from the northest tip 
and I, you know, I know it's San Antonio, but we'll include Claudia and Reagan in the Austin kind of old school area D kind of thing. Like, like you said, the 35 corridor, but even the schools in Dallas go along 35. Um, also, so, you know, we're going to see something change in 10 to 15 years. Austin is already too expensive. It's already too full. People are going to get tired of it and they're going to move somewhere else. I, could it be San Antonio? I don't know. I, we're going to run out of places or a new city is going to pop up. So, but that doesn't mean that we're not going to sit for maybe 10 to 15 to 20 years of a sort of central Texas dominance. So are we ever going to see a top three at any competition, major competition? And by that, sorry, backyard contest, we'll just say a BOA or a state. Um, Are we going to see some contests where, unless they didn't attend, there's not a Leander ISD band meddling at that show? Um, well, it almost happened at San Antonio in 2019. I mean, you faced a really good Ronald Reagan show, but two, three, and four were all LISD schools. <laughs> That's so right. So it's not that far fetched. Right, right, right. To be perfectly honest about it. Um, and I think it very well could have happened in 2019 in Austin, um, just because Claudia Taylor Johnson wasn't all that ahead of Mr. Ridge right. this past year. So it's easily in the cards. I have no doubt about it. Um, how high of a stage it's going to happen on. I don't think it's ever going to happen on Grand Nationals. I don't see three schools making it at the same time. And we can talk a lot about how Texas bands with a Grand Nationals. Oh, man. Um, that's, a, that's three podcasts. Yeah, probably. that is. But, um, but I think it's totally possible because all the schools are just on up and up. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with this year mm-hmm. um, because all the LISD bands took off. Uh, yeah, and played kind of just solid remembrance shows or played music they wouldn't necessarily normally play, which is all great. Um, but if there are any bands in the nation to really bounce back from not performing for a year, I, I'd be really interested to see, interested to see how Leander ISD kind of comes to the occasion. With for sure. Even, um, and th- I, I have no actual knowledge, but you know, Vista Ridge was supposed to go to Grand Nationals in 2019, as was the Ronald Reagan <laughs> band, not in Leander. Or 2020, um, rather. Oh, 2020, yeah. Um, do, does Vista go? Does Reagan go? I, I have no confirmation or anything like that. I'm not being snarky. I just don't know. So you, know, you could have a band that takes a year off and is going to go to Grand Nationals and try to win state like they're they were they they would have been the defending state champion this past year but they didn't go so now they've gone against Claudia Taylor but um you know I think had covid not happened you would have said probably that the odds on favorite to win state marching contest for 2020 would have been the Vandergrift High School band right they just come oh, up yeah. with winning grand nationals that's you put your money you hedge your money with Vandergrift to win state with the lowest odds <laughs> you make a dollar on that bet <laughs> Um, but uh, we would have seen makes a lot of sense. But we would have seen new sheets, though. And I love this hypothetical thought experiment because the new sheets in Texas would have come out. And I think that would have benefited a Reagan um, more than normal. And I think we would have seen a battle royale like we saw at BOA San Antonio between Reagan and Vandergrift. And who knows? One of, either one of those could have won state marching contest in 2020 had we had a normal season. Right. So my thing about this is that like UIL... I feel like there's such a mentality that comes along with UIL judges and UIL approaches and how people feel about shows in a UIL year that I'm a little skeptical that just changing the sheets is going to change all that much. I think people are going to still think in a very UIL way. I don't know how you design a clean show, but if there's some way to like think about designing a show that's clean, uh, I, I'm sure that's going to make it in the UIL rubric by judges in some way. <laughs> yeah, of course. So it's just like, I, I like don't, 
I don't know if I buy that the results are going to be all that different. Um, I just need to see that play out. But I do agree that there could be some shifts from what we kind of normally expect out of a UIL year. Um, thinking about what, what bands are quote-unquote primed for UIL and what bands are more primed for BOA. Um, but, you know, both five A and six A are happening this year. And I think most bands, I think all the five A bands are obviously going to go. Yeah. But I think most of the six A bands are going to go to state as well. So it'll be interesting to see at the same time and what they do for the bands going on. But I think the great thing is that I don't think there's ever going to be a UIL metal stand ever again in five A or six A, at least not for the near future. That sure. doesn't have a Leander ISD band there. Oh, of course not. Of course. I, I mean, or of course, I agree with that. So we are recording this February 24th 2021 the vaccine is out people are slowly getting them we're projected to have marching band so let's pretend we're having a marching band season everything's back to normal we have summer band like it's normal right we go back to normal whatever that means leander cedar park rouse are in 5a vandegrift vista ridge i forgot glenn they're also 5a and vandegrift and vista ridge are the only 6a leander schools right Mm -hmm. um we are two years removed from vista ridge winning uh, six A state. We are, I guess, two years or one year away from Vandergrift winning Grand Nationals, and we'll be two years removed from Cedar Park winning five A. Um, first basic question: Don't don't go into too many details. Does a Leander ISD school win five A and or six A marching contest this fall? Without a doubt, both of them. <laughs> okay, so you say five A. You put you you you're all in on five A, right? It would be horrible of me as an alum to not be all in on 5A. Okay, I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to go into detail yet. All right, so you have go all in on 5A. 6A, yeah. what, how much money do you put down? <laughs> or or what, how much of your savings do you put down on that? Well, I'm not quite sure that Vandergrift is actually, and then not Vandergrift, I'm not quite sure that Vista Ridge is actually going to go um, to the makeup 6A state. I think I saw their calendar and I think something suggested that they weren't actually going to go to state. Oh my gosh. Wow. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. That's not me talking. That's what I thought I saw their calendar talking. I could be very wrong. Oh, okay. Um, but I think that's what it said. So that changes things a little bit because uh, they're just at least off the table. from. Mm. The mm. and, uh, and, and before you go on, can you explain for the fans why this is going to be such a weird year for 6A marching band state as well as Grand Nationals or whatever? Because 6A is getting a second bite at the apple because 6A state normally happens on even years. And I don't think we have to talk about what's been happening for the last 50 year, 50 weeks. Um, so that's... So UIL is allowing 6A bands to have another shot. And that is happening during the same week as Grand Nationals. Um, but it doesn't, but that's also going to require other things. And now that we're doing every year area, six, eight area is like very close to other competitions like BOA San Antonio, like some saying weekend is BOA Waco. So I think some bands are just kind of figuring out their schedules. Like this is a lot. And we're going to try to focus on one or the other and make that our priority this year. Right. And I, and I think, yeah, no, go ahead. and I think that Vista Ridge is likely to make Grand Nationals their priority because that's what they're already thinking. And I think that I think that their calendar reflects it. And I think bands are learning that going to Grand Nationals on the state year is not always a great choice. Right, um, right. And, and you, you kind of miss out on one or the other. 
Yeah. And 6A schools get three years basically in a row of doing mm-hmm. state marching contests. So Vista can take this year off and 2022, we're back in our normal cycle. So they're going to go to state in 2022. So they're not going to, they're missing the bonus year, which they would have missed anyway. Right. So exactly. It, it's, it's not a big deal um, for that. Okay. So um, that would mean Vandergrift is the lone representative. They're going up. It's like saying, do you take Tiger Woods or the field? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I mean, previous to uh, what just happened, that's very timely. Um, so, okay. So now let's go in. You have Cedar Park and newly, and by new, I mean back to 5A, Leander High School. Uh, Cedar Park just won their third in a row. Is it their second three-peat, right? They're like uh, the Bulls. They've won their second three-peat in state marching contest, I think. Let's see. They've won state marching contest in 2001, and then they won in 2011 in 2013. No, they did not. They won in 2011, then they won in 2015, 17. Oh, so maybe this is their only three. One, this is their only three peat. Okay, so they're only three peat. But um, so they're going for their fourth, right? But Leander's down, who famously, as you said, has never won the state marching contest. Dagger um, to my heart. You just said you went all in on a Leander ISD school winning state. So we know that you're going in on the district, but you want to parlay oh, of course. This. So make your shot. Call your shot right now. Does the home team win it? If there's any band that could benefit from new sheets and UIL. I think Leander is well primed to do it. And and it's not unfair to say Leander is more stable in staff. They they didn't go through a major d- director change. And that's nothing to say about Chris or Kendall. Um, they're just, you know, but the good thing is they got a year to work it all out last year or this past year, the pandemic year. So we have no, they're a wild card, right? We don't know what they're going to mm-hmm. do. And they have a new design team. So that's true. They could, they could shock the world and that, it wouldn't be shocking for them to win. It would just be shocking and that they've changed the whole game up for themselves and they come out and win. But um, I, I'm a betting, I am, I am a betting man. I'm not going to bet on this, but I would put all my money on a Leander school winning 5A and I would also let it ride that Leander, IS, Leander high school wins. 5A state marching contest. I think we're on the same page about that. Um, I just think it's, it's, everything's kind of coming together really well. Um, the director, like you said, the staff is extremely stable. Um, there is a little bit of a design team change at Leander, but for the most part, everything's the same. And I think, what? yeah, Keith Potter. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, that, that was yeah. a few years ago. But I mean, it's still recent. It's 2018. It was only two shows ago. I mean, it, it, I, I, I count <laughs> that as stable. I thought you were going to say like, yeah. oh, they got a new drill writer or they got a new this. No, I think Robert would not be happy if I uh, knew that information, which I don't, and said it out loud like this. But your, your phone's probably blowing up in the future when this releases. Like, <laughs> how dare you, Jamil? No, 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 no. no. If, if Robert tells me something, I would not put it on a podcast, um, which he sometimes does. But right. I, I do not know of any major staff changes. But I think at Leander, I think things are really stable. I think they know how to teach their kids. Uh, they were doing really, really well in... 6a already the last couple cycles so i think that 5a is going to be really really great for them um and i think that stability is going to be an advantage so i I would definitely take leander um even if i wasn't an alum i would still probably take leander Uh, and i think i would take cedar park for second um i would still really fantastic teachers and i think that they have i think their design team is going to be really kind of be the kick in the pants they needed because i think they've made design changes over the last few years since vanguard's open but i don't think any of them have really like push them out of the box in the right way um into something that's going to be really good for them so I'm, I'm excited for this because that design team is really great and i think they could be good for where cedar park is right now Agreed. um why don't, why don't you make a hot take for third place because i'll do it i'll say it i'll put it on the record 
Let's um, do it. I, 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 you know, LISD has sweeped 5A before. I would not be surprised if it happened again, but I would watch out for Burleson Centennial in yeah. Wakeland. I'd watch yeah. out for those two. Uh, I don't disagree. But, but um, uh, you know, Rouse, is, Rouse, is, Rouse is trending up like probably no other band in the nation is trending up right now. So I, I think they're in a really good spot to take advantage of that. I would agree. I would agree. So you heard it here first. Jamil says Leander, Cedar oh, no. Park, Rouse are the order of the medalists. For the, we'll look back on a future episode of Yearbook when we come back and we go like, wow, none of them meddled. That's so weird. What happened? You know, their buses. Someone down. was listening and, and decided to spite me. <laughs> Leander gets second to Cedar Park once again. And uh, don't don't play with my heart like that. Don't put that. Like out I there. said, it's a win for the district, but um, <laughs> I, I truly can't take it. I'm fragile. <laughs> we won't go into details, but it's always fun. To, back in the day, watching you watch Leander live and in person at the Alamo. Dome. I have a heart attack every time. <laughs> you know, Leander and Clemson had a lot in common for a while. You know, there was the term Clemsoning, and there was the term Leandering, and then they. Boy, did they fix that. <laughs> maybe it's uh, maybe because you, you know, let go a little. I don't know. We'll blame you, Jamil. It's your fault. You, you can. I, I will. I will take the blame for the band that I have not marched with for now 11 years um, <laughs> doing whatever they do whenever they perform in finals. So, right, right. I'm happy to take that burden upon myself. Well, that was fun talking about Leander. We, we opened up the yearbook to the Leander page. Is there anything else you want to talk about in regards to Leander Independent School District or your famous Leander Lion Band? They're the Lions, right? We are the Lion Band. Go Big Blue, uh, I'm assuming. I don't always know. go Big Blue. Oh, okay. I, you know, I just really appreciate being a part of Leander Band program, and it means a lot to me so much that I graduated high school in 2011, and I still keep up with them and keep up with marching band generally. But, you know, it's it's just been really good to to watch band and be part of a really storied high school. I mean, we talked about that at the beginning through their really big time in the 90s. And now they're living through one of the most successful band renaissances, mm-hmm. um, probably of all time. I mean, it's, it was a, a functional kind of 15-year gap yep. between their their best times and very few bands have a 15 year gap can, where can you name one you have you, you really can't um i mean you, you you'd have to look at i mean reagan had like a three or four year but it was like oh we're not winning we, we missed one regional um yeah it was a little different for that yeah i, I think leander's just uh, totally unique in that regard so I, I think it's been really fantastic to see that i mean like of course i've said it hurts that i missed out on either period. <laughs> um, but like i said i i learned a lot um i had a really great time awesome formative experiences um both nils gunderson who is my director and the head director when i was there in robert slade and we're, i'm really close to both of them um and really good friends they know a lot about kind of like my life since graduating high school um and you know it, it's great to watch Robert do really fantastic things with the program, mm-hmm. um, especially with someone who I consider a friend now, um, reg- uh, as well as a former teacher. Um, and just to watch them do that. Like, I remember I was at VOA San Antonio finals with a couple of my friends from high school, actually, in 2014. And just the feelings we all had 
um, watching Leander meddle and and take on the caption was just unreal and unlike anything that we ever got to experience ourselves when we were in the program. So being able to experience that and be a part of that is just honestly a super big blessing. Um, and I, I feel like it kind of justifies my nerdiness. If I can say my high school is probably one of the top 10 bands in the nation right now, then, then it's like, okay, well, it's not so completely worth being a social pariah for then. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can be like football fans or, or Blue Coats fans who marched before they got their, you know, the crown people who marched before they won. And, you know, do, well, here, here's the last question. Do you wear your Leander Band letter jacket to uh, band competitions? Fun fact about that. So I got a letterman jacket when I was in band. And whenever I got to Princeton, like a lot of kids went to like Northeastern private schools and stuff like that. And like the whole idea of like the Slatterman jacket thing, like those exist in high schools across the nation, right? But like it was a little bit bigger of a deal in Texas because we like that kind of pomp and circumstance yeah, and like moms. stuff. Like the home, exactly, like the homecoming moms. So like I ended up bringing my Letterman jacket um, like my second semester, I think, at Princeton. And one of my friends like wore it. Like she wore it to class. <laughs> like she, and, and um, whenever I went home after that second semester, she took it, like she had it, and she took it to her parents' house in New York. She lives in Upper East Side or whatever. Um, and I remember a couple summers later, like in 2014 maybe, I was just like, Hannah, why is my Letterman jacket in your closet right now <laughs> when I was at her house? <laughs> and I didn't take it back then. Just like, I want my Letterman jacket. I'm in college. Um, and... It's still there. It is my <laughs> Letterman jacket from high school is still in the Upper East Side of New York and my friend's parents' apartment. And I keep on texting her like every couple years or so, and I say, "Can I have that back?" <laughs> um, but I, I, I've not been given it back yet. And I'm gonna have to timestamp this whenever this comes out and send this to her <laughs> so she can get my Letterman jacket back to me. But I, I don't. I even if I had it on deck, I would not wear my Letterman jacket to BOA competitions because I'm not quite that horrible. Um, but I do wear my Leander Band alumni shirt. And if I have a show shirt from that season, I will wear that sometimes too. So I, I do represent a little bit. Well, um, this will be the last time we ever talk about any Leander Band on you. I'm sure that's so true. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Well, um, do you have, um, I have no idea what we're talking about next episode. Do you want to give me a tease about what we're going to talk about? Let's see. I'm looking at our, our little storyboarding section. And we yeah, have, I've, I've never storyboarded a couple things. any of my podcasts before. You've I mean, I take notes. Well, I take notes. Have? I guess. I guess it's. I. I imagine you have like drawings and pictures on the on the wall or something like that. But yeah, I do write out the the outline. I do an outline. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, I I think what I want to do next time I want to talk about dynasties and duos. So I have a few uh, few options here, uh-huh. but I think we should go out of Texas next time. What? You know, broaden our scope, oh. and I think we should talk about Avon and Carmel. Oh, oh man, yeah, yeah. You uh, you did mention uh, how many other districts outside of the state, and while things have changed a little bit, Cobb County in Georgia probably has the cl- had had or has the closest thing to what we have here in sort of our northeast Louisville, Leander, back when it was like Harrison and Kennesaw and um, 
um, oh my God, I cannot remember the name. It's going to make Alfred Watkins is cool. Lassiter. Lassiter? Um, yeah. I know. Oh, I can't believe you forgot Lassiter. I remembered Alfred Watkins. Um, I was, I was like, because too many L's. Leander. It was like, la la. So, but um, ooh, Avon and Caramel, Caramel. Oh man. Yeah. So, I mean, just to give a little bit of teaser to anyone who's still somehow listening to us two nerds talk. At uh, this point, our parents. Uh, I. My mom my doesn't know podcasts. Even have that type of patience. For me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it looks like we're going to talk about some more episodes like this, where we talk about some of the big band districts and talk about their histories and trajectories. So Cobb County is on the list. Louisville ISD is on the list. Two mentions that we've had so mm-hmm. far. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have some dynasties and duos. So I think nice. we're going to start off with the Avon and Carmel, but we're going to talk about the Marcus and Bell period. So mm. Marcus is going to get a lot of play. Nice um, over the course of this series. We're probably going to talk about Tarpon and Marion, too. That's going to be fun to talk about the smaller. Oh, man. Are, smaller are they really 2A? Let's start with that one. <laughs> oh, well, that's going to be about 45 minutes of the conversation. Word. Uh, we're gonna, we are gonna we both like to talk politics, so I think we're going to have some times where we talk about the politics of marching band. There's no politics in marching band, Jamil. Not at all. So I think we're going to talk about some kind of class and race and band, maybe popular music on the field and why we don't hear so much what does it mean to be culturally sensitive when you're programming like like doing uh, a, a an all asian show and mixing japanese and chinese and korean together oh we're gonna that's, do, we're, that's happened we're gonna have our guard dress like geishas but play korean folk song written by or what does it mean to have a native american show um what, what part of texas how to do that right about? or wrong uh, or what part of northern indianapolis suburbs <laughs> um, <laughs> We have something to talk about there. We can talk about geography and culture and why some states just have great bands. You know what I want to talk about? And one of our listeners is going to cringe when we mention it. I want to talk about, when you talk about duos, Duncanville Mm -hmm. and Jackson Academy. (laughs) Uh, We're probably not going to talk about that, but I think we'll talk about some kind of special topics that don't necessarily fit into a theme. So I think one of we might talk about the Four Horsemen of Texas bands and and figure out who our new Mount Rushmore is. Oh my God. I I want to talk like the old Mount Rushmore, because it's hard. Like you're like, oh yeah, Phil Geiger, he's on there, you know, Tom Shine. And then I think Mike Howard's on the new one for sure. Like he's, he's the big guy. Um, I'll go for that, but we'll save it for the episode. Oh my God. I think. There are going to be some kind of one-off episodes like that, and I think we'll also kind of go through general periods of marching band. Um, oh. We kind of discuss a few years at a time, mm-hmm. and and we can discuss about how you think 2002, 2005 is fantastic, and I think it's the Dark Ages, but we'll, we'll save that for another podcast. Too. Once we get our style going and once we get people mad. <laughs> um, so, so speaking of people getting mad, um, we're going to post this everywhere. So if you're on the Texas band forums or the horn rank forums or a discord, which I'm not a member of, and I don't want to be a member of it, but I hear enough about it from the nerds out there with a Z nerds with a Z. So, um, you can, uh, send us a comment. You can send a voicemail and let us know what you think about this and we'll play it and we'll talk about it. And maybe you have an idea for what you want to hear. Maybe you disagree with us. Maybe you're like, no way, man, I go to this high school and we're going to, are going to win all the way to state. Um, we love those types of comments on the forums, don't we, uh, Dan Pod? I love it. Yeah, Dan Pod loves those. Uh, Dan Pod all day. Well, he has to clean them up. So. Yeah, the Dan Podcast. So, um, cool. You have anything funny or witty you want to end this podcast with, Jamil? I'm just very excited that I have 75 days or so until I graduate from law school and move on with my life. And then you'll get your own yearbook from Virginia. No? I, do, I don't know if we have a law school here, but no. I don't. We don't have think, that at we need a, we need a cool tagline. You know, something like that. Like, we we can workshop that. Okay. Yeah, like uh, like people who's used to, do people still sign their yearbooks? Do they even get yearbooks anymore? Um, 
I did. N I had people sign my senior year high school yearbook, so I guess that might still be a thing. I don't think that yearbooks were really a thing okay. this past That's year for Facebook. obvious reasons. Okay. Well, Facebook also exists too. That's true. All right. Well, um, everyone, uh, have a good summer. Don't ever change for anyone. Um, KIT, which is keep in touch. These are all things that we used to write in our yearbooks back in my day. So hags, hags, have a great summer. <laughs> <laughs> or or hackus. Did you guys do hackus? What? what is that one? Have a kick-ass summer. Oh, my God. I used to have a... I'm the first one to sign your crack, and they would sign it on the... You know, oh, the, my God. I, <laughs> I always hated that, especially because I'm very, like, by-the-book, detail-oriented as a person. So whenever people would sign the freaking crack in my yearbook, I got so <laughs> mad because I was like, this is real estate that, in my mind, I've sectioned off for people yep. to have, yep. and you just ruined it on two different pages. So I would always get so angry when people sign the crack. So everybody's Like, to the point where crack. I... For, so to the point where I would actively like look over someone's shoulder as they signed my yearbook <laughs> to make sure they were signing in a way that was appropriate to me and my style standards. I was very much like an Associated Press style guide as people were doing yearbooks. I'm MLA. If it wasn't appropriate, I would literally snatch it. Whenever I was younger, like in middle school, I'd snatch it away if someone was signing in a way that wasn't appropriate to me. So like I would rather just not have your signature. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll know better when I sign your yearbook next time. Yes, but I think I just know better than to put a yearbook near you. <laughs> well, everyone, have a good summer. Keep in touch. <laughs> and and we'll see you in the next episode of Yearbook where we talk about Avon and Carmel, the, the fantastic dynamic duo of Marty Man. This episode of Sketchbook Podcast was recorded, edited, and produced by me, Daniel Monthoy Jr. in Austin, Texas. Our logo is created by John Suh of Purpose Designs, and our music is provided by Epidemic Sound. If you enjoy Sketchbook, tell a friend about the show or share a link on social media. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns? Email us at sketchbookpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voice message through Anchor. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. Be sure to join the Sketchbook community on Facebook at Sketchbook Podcast and follow us on Instagram, also at Sketchbook Podcast. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Sketchbook Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Thanks for listening.